Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you give him a praise like he's able to do something? I mean, give him an able praise. He's able. He's able to do what he promised to do. He's able to do what he promised to do. He's able. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Abundant Life. Good for you. It's good to be here with you this morning. And uh, God has a word for us to hear. His presence is already here. Can you feel God's presence is here? Amen. How do you know his presence is here? You don't, you don't just feel it. You know his presence is here. So good morning, everyone, and welcome. Uh, at this time, we're going to allow uh, Children's Church, if you have a child between the age of 2 and 10, uh, please allow them to go to Children's Church, and they'll be ministered to on their level. If you have a child under the age of 2, we have areas, um, Minister McCarley has spoken and shared with you that we have an area where you can watch the service upstairs. Amen? Amen. So good to see all of you. T- let me just take a look at you for a minute. All right, cool. See, my, my head's turned most of the time in worship, and I got my eyes closed and I worship. I don't see when you come in. And uh, so I, I just do just take a look at you. Amen. Amen. God is good. He's not. We're back into September, going into October. Uh, I want to just make an announcement to you that um, wasn't made. Uh, we have a special uh, sem- seminar coming up on November the 8th and 9th. It's, it's called Transforming Hearts. Um, if you have... Uh, been through the, the, the um, session on blessing generations. How many blessing generations participants that we have? In the, okay, a few of you. Um, for those of you who have taken blessing generation, your next step is to go through transforming hearts. Um, we, we have two locations, but I'll tell you what's going to happen so you don't get dismayed if you can't get in. Uh, once we make the announcements across our churches, as, as the bishop, I'm making all the announcements across all the five churches. Once we have the two locations filled, there's no opportunity to get in. Uh, it's important that if you've taken blessing generations, that you have the opportunity again. If you haven't taken blessing generations, you're going to have to take that before you get into transforming hearts. But when we make the announcement, as it goes across our five churches, it's going out to cross state wide. And so we're going to basically fill up two locations our location here at Abundant Life will be one location, and Kingdom Empowerment Center will be the second location. So we have two locations that we're running because we believe God is doing something. Amen? Amen. So last time we ran Blessing Generation, we had 60, 60 or more people sign up, and we had a, a waiting list. And so I just want you to know, once we have the sign-ups running, if you really want to get in, you need to sign up right away because once, once the, the announcement goes out cross-state, uh, we had all bets are off, okay? And even if this is your church, you can't say, but the bishop, the, this, is, this is abundant life. I, I pay tithes here. That doesn't count. That, 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 I, I, that doesn't count. You, you can't say this is my church. This is, this is going to be dedicated for transforming hearts that weekend. So uh, I just want you to know that the announcement is going to be coming out across our churches, and then it's going out to the greater community, and I want you to make sure that you become a part of that, okay? Amen. Can you say amen to that? All right. Let's get to the word. Are you ready for a word this morning? Good, 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 good. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to uh, pick up where I left off last week and talking about Elijah and Empty. But I want to share a word with you entitled Making a Comeback After Setback. 
How, how many of you have ever had a setback? Okay, you've, you've had setbacks. I've had many setbacks. And, and you know what? The news is, I just want to prophesy to you, um, as long as you live, and as long as you try to go forward in any endeavor, you will have setbacks. You're, you're going to have setbacks raising children. You're going to have setbacks in school. You're going to have setbacks in work. You're going to have setbacks. There's, there's just going to be setbacks in everything and in places that you have never thought before in your life. But thank God we can come back after setbacks. Amen. First Kings chapter 19, verse, verses 1, and I'm going down to read verse 19. Quite a few verses. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent the messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me and be it ever so severely that if, if by this tomorrow I do not uh, make your life like one of them. And Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush and sat under it. And prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he laid under a bush and fell asleep. At all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there was uh, by his head some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel came back the second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days. And it's amazing that you can eat one meal and go so far. Amen. 40 days until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and says, what are you doing here? And he replied, I have been as very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me, too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. And for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak or his mantle in some cases over his face and went and stood out at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I'm very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me, too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram and anoint Jehu of Nimshi. King over Israel, anoint Elisha, son of Shephat, and Abel of Meloah, and to succeed you as prophet. And Jehu put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel, and Elisha put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and whose mouths 
have not kissed him. I'll end there, verse 18. Making a comeback after setback. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for just the reading of your word gives us life. So thank you, Lord, for your opportunity to speak to us. We make way and space for you to speak to us. God, what will we do if we don't have a word from you? So we pray, Lord, that you would speak through me. Father, thank you that you would declare your word. Help me to declare it faithfully with your authority. Thank you for your kingdom coming in our midst and your will being done. Blessed, sanctify, challenge us, we pray, that we might grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Comebacks are possible. Can you say that with me? Comebacks are possible. Are possible. Um, In fact, we serve a Christ who has exemplified what it means to come back. Because one day they said they were going to kill him. And they actually did. But he said, if you kill me, I'm going to raise the body back up again. And the Bible said that Christ rose on the third day, triumphantly as he said. The angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. It's important to understand that when it comes to comebacks, there's something that what I call excitement about those kinds of stories. When you listen to stories that are either broadcast on television or somebody who says something on a podcast and they start out where they tell you about where their pursuits were and somehow they had a setback. Maybe it was a financial setback. Maybe it was a loss of a business. Maybe it was a loss of a business partner. Maybe it was a loss of money in some cases. It was something that happened on their way somewhere. How many of you are actually going somewhere? Not many of you. Okay, so, so many are... Ch- so, 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 some, so, see, see that, was a, that was a question to see if you're away. How many are going somewhere? All right, so some say, I ain't going nowhere. Yeah. I ain't going nowhere. No, if you're trying to go somewhere, you will have a setback. I'm trying to go somewhere. Right? If you're trying to pursue anything in life, you're going to have some obstacles. You're going to have some obstacles. It just, it just goes. But everyone who has obstacles, somehow they don't end up finishing what they started to do. Somewhere along the line, they quit in the midst of the battle. They just kind of gave up on the dream. Now, although God promises us things that promises are not promise possessed. I hate to disappoint you. If you read the Old Testament, God had promised Abraham a land. He had promised them that they were going to go into Canaan. But how many of you know that everybody who started out didn't get into the promised land, including Moses? Somewhere along the line, there, that though God has something for you and something for me, in the midst of all of the twists and turns, I have to have a resolve that when a setback happens, I don't stay back. You don't hear what I'm saying. I don't stay back. I keep moving forward. And everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. 
But everybody doesn't have the glory. Comebacks are possible. And in life, we always have them. And Elijah, we, we learned that Elijah, who was a powerful prophet in the time of Israel, and he comes to actually confront the people of God for their waywardness in whom they were serving, whether it be God or Baal. And under that time, there was a wicked king called Ahab who married a woman named Jezebel. Jezebel was the one who actually introduced Baal worship. And, and so that Baal was a god that they would go to for either for fruitfulness. If they, they lacked children, or if they wanted children, they would pray to Baal. If they lacked uh, crops, their crops to, to, to grow, if they wanted their crops to grow and to be prosperous, they would pray to Baal. And so it was Elisha's job to tell the people of God who were being convinced to go towards Baal, that Baal wasn't the answer. After he brought them through all the difficulties of Egypt and bringing them into, toward the promised land, they they should have known better than to worship Baal. And you know, there are some Christians that don't know better, and they're starting to worship Baal. They think that their source is their job. You don't hear what I'm saying. You think, you, in other words, we would rather worship the job than worship God. The God who gave you the job somehow is no longer worship, and we give the worship to the job and don't give the worship to God. We worship things. God will give us blessing, and he blesses us with some things. You know God blesses you with some things? You know, he'll give you a nice car, but then all of a sudden you can't come to church no more because you're busy waxing and you're busy buffing and you're busy, you busy, you know, doing detail on Sunday morning where you should be in the house of God and worshiping him. See, worship is something that we give value to. You know, beyond, beyond the fact that you lift up your hands and, and, and you say, thank you, Lord. But the question is, where is your value? Where's your heart? Where, what do you really find as value? And values, many times... Uh, are demonstrated through our actions, not necessarily through our words. Because we can say things that are valuable, but we don't treat it as valuable. Right? We can tell people, you know what, you mean the world to me. Why don't you come home? Why don't you pay, why don't you pay a bill? Why, 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 don't, why, don't, why, why are you treating me like this if I mean the world to you? And see, God wants us as his people to worship him like he means everything to us. Oh, it's quiet in here. Does God really mean everything to you? There's an old song we sang in the church. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus. Now, some people say, you know what? Uh, uh, I'd rather have Jesus, but I want that gold, too. And he'll give you some gold, too. There's nothing wrong with financing and money. But, you know, he, Jesus even said, you cannot worship God and mammon or worship God in possessions or things. It's okay to have possessions. Tell your neighbor, it's okay to have possessions. But it's another thing when possessions have you. We, we, we understand value. We understand value. And so the, 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 the Lord is saying to Elijah, call my people back to value. Call my people back to loving me. Call my people back to serving me. And he said, look, if Baal be God, serve him. 
But if God is God, you need to serve him. And you have to make those choices in your life who you're going to serve. You're going to serve something. You're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve a career. You're going to serve something. It, why not just serve God who gave it to you? Come on now. Let's just serve God. Let's just make the decision. And the Bible says that, well, let me just tell you who God is. So Elijah said, we're going to have a contest. He brings the prophets of Baal out, 450. They, they actually sacrificed to Baal. And, uh, they, and basically, Baal kind of doesn't answer. He doesn't answer them and really makes them look kind of foolish. They cut themselves. They make noise and they do all kinds of things because they're trying to get an answer from Baal. And do you know people do that? They try to get an answer from things that ain't going to answer them. Money's never going to answer you. Oh, you don't think you, you don't you don't know what I'm saying. So, so you think, well, if I just had some money, that's my answer. No, it's not because people have plenty of money and they ain't getting no answers. If I just had this. This is my answer. No. Because people have that and they're not having an answer. They have good jobs. That's not the answer. They live in good neighborhoods. That's not the answer. They try to get away from the crime. Well, we're going to live in this wonderful neighborhood. And then you see them on TV. I never thought. I never thought. I moved away from that stuff. He was a nice man. Because we try to find answers. But answers are found in God. And so therefore, he said, Elijah says, well, let me just tell you. We're going to show you that God answers and he answers by fire. And as he makes this altar unto the Lord, he drowns the altar with water to make it almost impossible for fire to break out. Do you know that God can show us that he can do the impossible? And sure enough, when he calls on the Lord, he answers by fire. And we come to the point now where Elisha is on the run because he's threatened by Jezebel. And Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you in the next 24 hours. How many of you would be afraid of a death threat? Now, don't try to look brave to me because you're not. You're not. Don't, don't try to look like, oh, not me. When a dog barks at you, you're afraid. <laughs> Never mind a death threat. Woo, where'd that come from? <laughs> and don't let a mouse run around the floor. Woo, Lord have... Is he gone? You're trying to act like you ain't afraid of death threats. You kidding me? You understand, you understand. It's, it's nothing to sneeze at when you get a death threat over your head. And he is afraid for his life. He starts on the run. And he runs to the point of, you know, he just gets into this position of despondency and discouraged. And he's now in a place where even now he's in depression. And now he's saying, Lord, I just want to die. I had enough. And everybody gets to a point at some point in time, if the setback is strong enough in your flesh, you're going to quit. I get no amens in here. Everybody has a breaking point. 
I have it. You have it. Everybody has it. There, there are some people went into it with a full, a full determination. They, they put it all on the table. But somewhere along the line, the setback was so difficult. They said, I, 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 I thought I, I just can't do it no more. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done. Forget it. They do that in marriage. They do that. People wonder, how can marriages go so bad? There's some place where they said, I can't do this anymore. And I'm not doing it anymore. It's over. I've talked to people. I prayed with people. I've counseled people. I pleaded with people. And they said, I can't do it no more. I'm done. They have now come to a place where they're set back has become so bad where they said, I'm I'm out of here. Have you ever felt like that? Be honest. The last job you had, that's what you did. I can't take it no more. That's why you left. It wasn't the money. It was the boss. It was the people. It was the problems. It was, and you said, I just got to get out of this place. It's the last thing I ever do. That's a song. I got to get out of this place if it's the last thing I ever do. <laughs> you didn't know that was a song? I used to sing that song a lot. I got to get out of this place if it's the last thing I ever do. He just wants to get out. And there's places that you want to get out, but you can't. You got reasons why you can't get out, because if you could get out, you would be out. Hallelujah. I ain't even going to go down that street. I'm going to keep my eyes right on this thing. And so he's in a place where he wants out. But thank God that God speaks to us in those seasons if we're willing and if we have an open ear to hear him. Come on now. God is a God who takes even our setbacks and he begins to train us and we can become stronger than we were before. You're not strong because everything goes well. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're strong because something's really bad, but yet God brought you through and he lifted you up and he encouraged you. You heard a word from him. Somebody came along and offered assistance. You didn't know how it was going to happen, but God brought you out. Did I got a witness in the building that God brought you out of some things? And so you have to praise him. Have to, even in a bad situation, you have to say, Lord, I thank you because you're able to do what, oh God, you're able, you're able, you're able, you're able, God. And so here's some things I want to share with you about principles, about making a comeback in a setback. Number one, in verses five to eight, we find here that God comes where he is. God comes where he is. And Elijah, when he runs under a bush, and the bush is really a short bush, it's not no big tree, so it's a bush. And as I said before, you know that when you got to get under a broom bush, that means you're feeling pretty low. You got to crawl to get under a broom bush. And what the Lord does, he says, all right, it's time for you to rest and refuel. 
When you've had a setback, it's a good opportunity to rest and refuel. He said the first thing you got to do is eat. How many of y'all like to eat? I can see y'all like to eat. I didn't say, I didn't say nothing. Now, you see, you all need to stop going there. You all need, you see, you all went, you all went further than I was intended for you to go. I like to eat. I have no problem with, I, I like to eat. There's no problem. Tell your neighbor, no shade, no shade, no shade, no shade. There's no shame. You know, if you like to eat, you like to eat. And it's okay to tell people you like to eat. Just like you like to play, if you play softball, tennis, or whatever. You like concerts. It's okay. You say, I, you know, I like to eat. And sometimes it's not just you like to eat. It's necessary. This eating that's necessary. When you come to a setback, it's necessary for you to rest refuel by eating. He said, look, God cooked something just for him. He cook, God is cooking something up. Amen. He cooked something up for him. He, he, he came to him and said, the angel touched him and said, all right, you, you, need, you need to eat and you need to rest. Eating and sleeping is very important for your physical body. God is not all dealing with my spirit. He knows I'm physical. Can I say that again? He knows I'm physical. He knows I'm, I'm, I have a frame. People say, well, the Bible has nothing to say about the physical needs of people. I said, don't you read this? God is concerned that you have time to rest, time to eat, time to refuel. So here's the thing. You can't keep going and going and going, and going, thinking that you're going to come back from a setback. Somewhere along the time, you're going to have to say, all right, we are going to have to take a moment to rest and refuel. Each and every week, you should have a Sabbath. Three amens. How many of you have a Sabbath? Less than half of you. That's why you're sleepy. That's why you're irritable. You don't have a time, you don't have any time off. You're always on. You're always on stage. But you know what? There's a backstage and there's an off stage. See, my wife and I say, all right, we gotta go on stage, but then there's a backstage that we're preparing, and then there's an off stage. We step off the stage. We're not on stage right now. It's okay not to do my hair because I'm off stage. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm talking about, do you? Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's okay to stay in my pajamas all day because I'm off stage. I don't wear my pajamas to church now. I'm on stage now. <laughs> so I'm on stage now. I don't wear pajamas on stage. Not away backstage because I'm preparing to get on stage. But when I'm off stage, I am off stage. That's why when you see me in the store sometimes, you don't know who I am because I'm off stage. Oh, Bishop! That you? One time I came home, I hadn't shaven in two weeks. 
gray all in my face. Person walk by me and I just let them walk by and they know that they know. I don't know how they know that they turned around. I guess they noticed me for that. Oh, Bishop. And they looked at me and they said, what happened to you? I said I was off stage. Is, is that okay to talk real with you? Off stage, off stage, off stage. You need some off stage time. Our children grew up and they said, we are off stage. I know you have needs, I know that, but you know, and at a certain level, you got to meet their needs, don't get me wrong. But when they get to a certain level, it can't be, uh-uh. No. No. Why are we going to babysitter? Because we're going off stage. That's why you're going to babysitter. I'm going to hang out. And you're not going to be a part of this. I'm going to hang out with my wife, we're going to go to a movie, and we're going to go eat, and we're going to have a good time. And you know what? We're going to Florida. I took my wife to Florida. Disney World and my kids were home. You hear what I'm saying? Off stage. And grandma loved it because she got to play with them. She got to hang with them. Grandma and grandpa, they hung with them for what, a week? Did I call home? No. I said, if something go wrong, you call me. You got my number. Otherwise, I'm not calling. I'm off stage. Some of y'all, look. you need some off stage time. And do I got a witness in the building? You need some off stage time. You need, you need it. You need it. You need it. God, God says, I want to bless you with off stage time. Isn't it good? Practice Sabbath. Practice rest. Practice a time where you just eat and don't have to rush everywhere. Practice where you're not eating out of styrofoam every, every oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. Oh, man, we're going to eat, man. We, you know, sit down and pull out your china. Anybody know what I mean by china? Pull out your china. Pull out your nice goblet. Pull out your cup. Sit down and eat your food at your table. My wife, my, my wife said, tell me, Yo, do, you want, do you want to eat in the den? No. I said, I'm going to sit down at my table. I'm on, are my forks lined up? I, 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 want my sa- I want to eat from a salad fork. I'm not even going to use the same fork. I want a salad fork. And I'm going to eat my salad fork. And I'm, with my salad fork, I'm going to eat my food. I'm going to have my drink. I'm going to have my tea. And I'm going to sit here and eat my food. And if anybody calls, I am not answering. Because I'm eating. Where were we before text? Where were we before voicemail? Do you remember growing up when you made a phone call to your friend and there was no voicemail and it just rang? And when nobody picked it up, you just hung up the phone and said, I guess they ain't home. But now, oh, the phone ringing. Oh, the phone ringing. And then you get all mad because the spam person got your phone and they're speaking in a language you don't understand. Could I get a witness up in here? We're going too fast. And if you go too fast, you're not going to last. Man, that's a word right there. I can close the sermon. You got to rest. You need some space for that. You need space for that. 
Elijah has to have space. And the Lord doesn't stop there. He touches him the second time because he wants to feed him again. He feeds him the first time. He rests. He's getting refueled physically. But then he's giving him food for the journey. He's giving him food for the journey. Do you know that it takes a journey to get to the comeback? Somebody say journey. Somebody say journey. It's a journey to come. There's no apps for comeback. APP, you know, press it and you come back. There's no, there's no app for that. You don't microwave yourself into comeback. It's a, it's a journey. If, if you follow a sport, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is, You'll know that after a loss, a team loses, it may take them a few years to get back to becoming a real championship team. Right? It may, it may take them a few years. It may, it, they have to understand that it is a journey to get to the place where you're healthy again. Now, God can do a miracle, but in this one, he, 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 he said, look, you're going to have to eat for the journey. Now, this journey is going to be somewhere around, commentators will say, it could be 150 to 200 miles. He said, you're going to have to go on the journey. You're going to have to go on this journey with God. And often, we don't want a journey with God. We just want a miracle from God. But we don't want the journey from God. He said, you're going to have to go, and when you go, you're going to have to go up to the mountain of Horeb, which is actually Mount Sinai, where, 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 where Moses climbed up. It was a journey that said, look, I'm going to have to sustain you for 40 days and 40 nights. You're going to have to end up going on this journey because to get to the top. Oh, you, you know what I'm talking about. How many want to get to the top? You want to get to the top. To get to the top, you're not going to get an elevator. You're going to have to journey there. You're going to have to journey there. Sometimes for marriages, relationships, finances to be healed, it takes a journey. God can bring you out of debt like that, can he? He can. He can just, boom, bring you out of debt like that. But how many know that it takes one bill paid at a time? Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. I, don't, I, I, never, I wish one day God would say, boom, everything is paid for. But you know what? I have to learn that it's one bill at a time. It's one bill. It's a journey. One payment at a time. Slow, easy payments. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes God would give you a big, a big breakthrough, but oftentimes it's just one step at a time. And so you're going to have to learn the journey with God. I know you want a miracle, and I know you want it tomorrow. I know you want that child to grow up and leave home, although they're two years old. But you just got to get ready. You got to journey through toddler stage. You, you, you don't understand? You got to journey through the adolescent stage. That's why you need prayer now. Don't pray and wait for them to get to be a teenager. You need to be praying while they're still adolescent. Because you're going to need strength for that journey. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Parents of teenagers, wave to me, wave to me. Tell these folks that have little children, you're going to need some strength for that journey. 
Then they get to high school. Then they get to college. Then they get to be young adults. Then they start dating. Then they're starting to talk about all types of things. Come on now. You need strength. For, a parent needs strength for journey. You, you're not going to get it right away. We journey. We are still journeying with our kids. I'm journeying with them. They're men. And you're going to have to think about your journey. This is about your journey. It's not about Bishop's journey. I'm on my own journey. It's not about your mama's journey. It's your journey. It's not about the deacon's journey. It's your journey. It's not about your husband, your wife. It's about your journey. Can you say it's my journey? It's my journey. It's my journey. This is a journey that God is taking you on. He's taking you on a journey. And he doesn't want to leave you in the valley. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. Woo, Lord have mercy. There are some places where you just got to say, I got to step it up a level. I got to go to a new level. Everybody needs to go to a new level. If you want to go to a new level, you got to journey your way into the new level. I remember I was at Gordon-Conwell in Hamilton, and uh, John Maxwell was speaking. I got to get some time with him. This was before he became the John Maxwell. At the time, he was pastoring Skyline Wesleyan Church. I sat with him in the cafeteria, and I said, what is the secret to your success? What would you tell me, as a young pastor, the secret to your success? He said, here's what he said to me. He said, Larry, here's what you need to know. It's a journey, and you have to understand that you have to feed yourself according to the journey that you're taking. So if you want to be a leader, what kind of food are you eating? You can't eat followers food and be a leader. You got to eat leadership food. So I don't eat the same way that somebody else eats because I'm on a different kind of journey. If you want to be wealthy, you got to eat a certain type of food. I don't mean food, meaning potato chips, chops, or whatever. I'm talking about food for thought. Your mind has to be different. If you're going to lead, you're going to have to take the first step of leadership up the journey mile. Where's the first step? Lead yourself. He said, if you can't lead yourself, you can't be a leader. Because leadership is influence. Isn't that what he says? Leadership is influence. And if you can't believe in your own word, why should anybody else believe in your word? If you can't keep your own commitment, why is anybody going to believe? If you can't say, I'm going to exercise three days a week and you staying in bed. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying? How are you going to influence people in leadership and you can't lead yourself? We got people that are trying to lead, can't make a decision. I don't want you leading me nowhere. You get, you get to the restaurant and you're confused. The waitress is saying, um, can, can we order something? Let me make a suggestion. <laughs> no, nah, I don't want that. No, nah, I don't want that. Nah, I don't. Well, what do you want? Well, you know. I don't know. I just feel things. Don't, don't feel nothing. Decide. Decide. I don't want you feeling, well, I feel kind of fishy today. 
want you feeling fishy. I want to take your order so I can get on to the next person who knows what they want. Because I got a person over there flagging me down. They already know what they want. You don't want to follow nobody driving and they ain't sure which way they're going. They driving and all of a sudden, are you going to take a left? You're going to take a oh, wait. Well, how about you get off the road and let me go because I already know where I'm going. Can I get an amen for that? You got to lead yourself first. First. You got to make that journey. And some of us in this room, you have not been making that journey. You've been waiting, God, for come down from some mountain somewhere. And God said, no, no, I'm not coming down. You're coming up. You are not staying there. You're going to come up. See, what I'm doing in this church now, you're going to come up. I'm challenging you to come up. Stop staying where you're at. Stop saying the same thing that you've been saying. Come on up. Come on up a little higher. John heard the voice, and the voice said, come up hither that I might show you. You got to come up. Tell your neighbors, time to come up. It's time to come up. He was strengthened by the food so he could go up. I'm not preaching to people who want to stay down now. I'm preaching to people who want to go up. Do I got a witness in the building? You might be down, but I want to finish with you after the point. Say, do you, let's go up. Second thing, Elijah had to be honest with God about his feelings and his frustration. Have you ever been frustrated in your life? Are you frustrated now? Okay. There's some honest people in the building. Frustration, frustration is a way of showing you that you're alive. Frustration is a way that shows that you care. When, when a person's not frustrated, they have conceded. You know what I'm saying? It, it, when you're not frustrated, you're, con- you con- you're, con- you're conceded. When something that frustrated you no longer frustrates you anymore, you might say, well, I'm in a place of peace. No, you might be in a place of just being in a place of just contentment with the way things are. When you went, (laughs) oh, my God, have mercy. I'm amazed that there's certain things that don't bother us. It doesn't bother us. It doesn't bother us. It, it, the way the way the way things are done, it just does, you know. Well, you know, you know, it doesn't frustrate you. When my wife and I go home, can I just be honest with you? I talk about the good parts of service, but I talk about my frustration. I talk about my frustration with the with things of the Lord. I'm not throwing it on her, but I say, here's the things that frustrated me today in the service. It frustrates me when you come late. It frustrates me. It frustrates me because we as the people of God should know better. Because you know what? If your boss, who you work for, said to you, I'm going to give you a raise every time you're on time, what would you do? 
What, what would you do? Would you say, ah, oh, that's not a big deal? Would you say that's not a big deal? Or would you say, guess what? I, some, I got some benefits coming if I'm on time. Now, you work for jobs where the boss ain't saying that at all. He's saying that you might get fired if you ain't on time. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. Can I, can I be honest with you? And I believe it frustrates God. It frustrates him to know that he has blessed you all week and you can't even come to his house to give him worship and to give him praise. He put the breath in your body. He put breath in your body. He healed you all week, kept you alive, kept your children, and you coming in here nonchalant saying, well, I'm, well God, you need to be glad I'm here. And in his face, he says, uh-uh, I don't want that. Read your Old Testament. When they brought sick things to God, God said, I don't want that. I want the best you got. I want the best you got. I want the best you got. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants the best you got. Is an hour and a half the best you got? Late? That's the best you got? Let's be real. Let's be real. Well, Lord, it's the thought that counts. I don't want your thought that counts because it doesn't count with me. I know this message is high, but you need to read the book. He said you need to be diligent in business. People are working on my house right now. If they don't work, I'm firing them. You better be here. You say 730, you're here working. You get off at 4, you get off at 4. And I want my house clean. Aren't they doing it? Yes, they are doing it. You know why? Because I'm holding them to expectation. Because you're not getting paid doing a half. Come on. Somebody preach that word. Somebody preach that word. Somebody's preaching that word. And you know what? You were nice. <laughs> Woo, Lord have mercy. But you understand that. You understand that because when you have an expectation, you don't want nobody bringing you something that you don't want. Why are you giving God what he don't want? Pick up your game. Tell your neighbor, pick up your game. Pick up your game. Pick up your, when you should be working, work. It's okay to rest. But when you should be working, work. When you should be making it happen, make it happen. If it takes you all night, stay up all night. Drink yourself some latte and stay up all night. I remember writing papers. Honey, I'm writing papers. When are you going to come to bed? I'm not coming to bed until I finish this. And, it's, and you know what? You have to do, though. You have to make the journey. My God. Your feelings of frustration, let me go with that feeling of frustration. That, that frustration says something has to be changed. Something has to change. Could you say that with me? Something has to change. Frustrate, God has put frustration in your life because something has to change. Something has to change. I want to get to that. Something has to change. And often, 
rather than changing, we get stuck in self-pity. Notice what he says. The Lord says to him, uh, let's put it in vernacular. Yo, man, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Well, you know, I've been zealous for the Lord. And you know what happened? The people didn't turn to God. And I'm just, I'm just frustrated. I'm in the, he says this twice. He's stuck in self-pity because he says, now I'm the only one. Self-pity keeps you in the valley. If they, I would have done better, but if they would have did their thing, I could have done my thing. Self-pity likes to blame everybody else. See, John Maxwell said, said to me, he said, if you're going to be a leader, you've got to stop the blame game. Nobody can stop you if you don't want to be stopped. Ain't nobody can stop you. Pity parties need to go. Well, if I look pretty pitiful enough, they'll pray for me. Do I look pitiful enough to pray for me? Let me give you a kick. There were seasons where I had to talk, we had to talk straight to our kids. And oh, you know, you know, no, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't want to know. Do you do what you're supposed to do? <laughs> well, if I if you no, handle your business. Have you ever said that to somebody? Just handle your just handle your business. It's good, just handle your business, man. My father used to do that all the time. Handle your business. But dad, the dude out there is, man, he's, he's beating me. Handle your business. Anybody know handle your business? Handle your business. Don't make some, your business somebody else's business to handle. Can I say that again? Don't, because sometimes you are set back because other people's stuff set you back. And if you would leave them alone and let them handle their business... Oh, you, you know, you ain't, you, are you getting tired on me? Let people handle their business and you handle the climb to the next level. He said, you know, Lord, I've been zealous. I'm the only one left. And God says, well, he didn't even comment on it. He says, let's go and get to the next level. Somebody say next level. Next level, next level. The next level is go up to the mountain and get into my presence. God's presence, God's power and his purpose is the next level. He said, I want you to come up into the mountain where my presence is. And when you get up there, I'm going to pass by you. The presence of the Lord is essential for comebacks. His presence. His presence. You can't, you, you, the, Elijah, you got to make the climb in the ascent into my presence. When you, know why worship is hard? Because worship starts off down the mountain. You, you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know, sometimes you're worshiping God, it's like, man, this thing ain't going nowhere. And then you might stop and say, well, it's not going nowhere, so I think I'll just stop. And some people, they stop, and they're at the, they're at the bottom. And the Lord said, why you stop? Come on up. Ascend into the presence of the Lord. 
the presence of God is essential for your combat. That's why every day you pray. Every day you worship. Every day you read his word. And so when he gets in the presence of God, he experiences the power of God. When he, when he gets to that place of the ascent and God passed by, God shows him his power. He does what I call a light show. Mountains begin to split. Winds begin to blow. Rain and fire begin to come. God is saying, I'm powerful, meaning that it's now time to let you know, Elijah, that I am in full control. When you ascend into the presence of God, you cease to want to be in control. In fact, he's not going to let you be in control. If you're in control, you haven't gone high enough. You haven't gone high enough. I know when I'm in control of something. Anybody, know, anybody understand what I'm talking about? Some, some of your control freaks know what I'm talking about. Right? You, you know when you are controlling the situation. You know when you, what it called, you got your, thing, you got your hand on it. But then there's a place where God says, okay, come up here. And when you come up here, you are out of your comfort zone. So when you're out of your comfort zone, you're not controlling anything. And when you're in your comfort zone, I know when I'm in my comfort zone because I can control things. When I'm out of my comfort zone, I'm saying, oh, my God, this is too big for me to handle. And many of you love the fact that you're in control. <laughs> in fact, you're so in control, you tell God what to do. Now, God, let me tell you. God, let me, let me, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you when to come. I'm going to tell you when to go. Although I'm going to say, have thine own way, Lord, I mean, it's only meaning that you have your way when I get my way. Because I am in control. And God is saying, as long as you are in control, you're not going to see my power. Because when you're in control, you only have so much power anyway. So why don't you come up here where it might be a little uncomfortable and you have to get away from the surrounding. You have to get away from the crowd. You have to get away from all your safety mechanisms and you have to go into a place where you have not been before. That's when you see the power of God. God's power means he's in control. His presence, his power but then you have to understand that God has purpose. God has purpose. You go from presence to power to purpose. Say that with me. Presence to purpose. Purpose. Elijah thinks his life is over. And God is saying, your life isn't over. There's a new beginning for you. There's a new chapter in your life. There's, a new, there's something fresh that I've called you to do. And so he says, I want you to go back the way you came. Isn't that interesting that God will send you back the way you came? He comes up to the mountain, and God says, all right, you experienced my presence, my power. Now go back where you came. Now I want you to read this very closely. Watch this. He says, go back the way you came, but don't go back the same person that you are. 
Here's what I'm talking about. Just because you get a comeback doesn't mean the situation changes. It means that you have changed. Well, I was looking for um, I was looking for God to change my situation. And God is saying, no. Go back the way you came. Because you're not going to go back the same person that you are. Let me ask you a question. Could it be that God is not trying to change your situation? He's trying to change you. He's trying to change you. We want new this. But God says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things will pass away and behold, all things come new. It doesn't say the situation. It says he becomes a new creation in Christ. And many times we don't get comebacks because we want to be the same old person trying to do a new thing. You can't be the same old person trying to do a new thing because you will corrupt a new thing. So he says, go back the way you came. And when you go back, you're going to do something different, meaning you're going to have an anointing on you. Oh, my. Oh, my. You're going to have an anointing on you. And the anointing that's on you, I want you to anoint three people. I want you to anoint you a king, two kings, and I want you to anoint your successor. And here's why God had you travel all that way up a mountain. And now he brings you from a setback to a comeback so that you can get an anointing from him so that you can take that anointing and go back and anoint other people. Because if you stay in setback mode, you ain't going to anoint nobody. Oh, my God, have mercy. And see, for us as believers, we always avoid the notion that somehow God wants to change me so that I can go back to a situation that has not changed and change it. What are you saying, Bishop? There's some things that are not going to change until you do. My home is only going to change, not when I change the address, when I change. My church will change when I change. That's right, Bishop, when you change. No, 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 when you change too. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? It's easy to say for the leaders to change. Why don't you change? Why don't you change? Why, why, why don't you change? Why, don't, why, why is it that you come back the same way all the time and do the same old thing that you've done before? And so we have revival services and nobody's revived. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? We're we, we going to have revival. We're going to have prophecy. Still the same. Because you didn't change. Apostle Chandler can lay his hands on you and prophesy over you for 12 hours. But if you don't change, none of that's going to happen. Zero. 
Circumstances will change, but you have to change. And what God is doing in this house, he's taking us up. We're not going to be talking about, oh, my God, look at the setbacks I had. The devil was beating me and the devil was beating my kids. Okay. But greater is he that is what? In you. That heat is in the world. Let's eat food that takes us up. You hear what I'm saying? If you look at the parallel, and I'm done. The parallel of this passage of scripture falls right in line with Psalm 23. How do you mean? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I won't lack anything. Why? Because he makes me lie down. I rest in green pastures. He, 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 he leads me in these paths of righteousness. He's restoring my soul. And yea, though, though I walk in the valleys in the shadow of death, I don't fear any evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God, you prepare tables before me in the presence of my enemy. But then he says, you anoint my what? My head with oil. My cup, what? Runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Elijah lived that out. How about you? Don't get stuck in the valley in the shadow of death when you can ascend to the mount of God and then come back a different person. This morning, I want to pray. I want to pray for people who will say, you know what? I'm not going to get stuck in my setback. I'm going to journey from a comeback. I'm going to journey from a comeback. Maybe your comeback is financial comeback. Maybe your journey is a spirit from a spiritual attack that the enemy has come against you with, like Elijah. Some people don't come back from spiritual attacks. So as you stand on your feet, and we're going to pray. This is an opportunity for you to journey for comeback not to stay in setback. If that's your prayer today, I just want you to come. We're going to just stand at the altar and pray. Hallelujah, oh my soul. Hallelujah, oh my soul. Oh my soul, sing. Hallelujah, oh my soul, oh my soul. Hallelujah, 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 and hallelujah. Oh my soul will sing, oh my soul. Hallelujah, hallelujah, oh my soul. We'll sing. 
Hallelujah. Oh my. Comebacks, Lord. Comebacks. Comebacks. Hallelujah. The journey, Lord. The journey to come back. Hallelujah. Mm. Would you lift your hands as you sing? Oh, my soul will sing. Hallelujah. Oh, my soul. And hallelujah. Oh, my soul will sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You brought me over. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. Oh, yeah, he's bringing you over. He's bringing you over. You brought me. Hallelujah. Oh, my soul. You brought me over. You brought me over. Oh, my soul will sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You brought me over. Bring you over. He you brought, brought me over. over. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul will sing. He brought me over. Oh, my soul will sing. You brought me over. Oh, my soul will sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just want to tell you, just want to tell you, as your hands are lifted, I recognize the periods and places in my own personal life and setbacks happened for the purpose of propelling me to the desire to climb higher and to go forward for comeback. reason I'm going through all this process with my house because I was frustrated with it. Frustrated the way it looked. Frustrated. I was just frustrated. I was frustrated with things breaking. Frustrated with things just being not in place. Frustrated with there wasn't enough room to do what I sought to do. And the Lord said, if you, if, if you would take that frustration and make the climb. I am going to open some doors and do some miracles. I'm, I'm going to pull you out a blessing that you won't have room to receive. I'm going to change you so you see things differently. And I sense the Lord saying, you're frustrated. And he's not frustrating you for no reason. He hasn't allowed frustration in your life for no reason. He's saying there's a climb that he's calling you to make. If you'll climb into my presence, you'll see his power. If you climb into his presence, you'll have a purpose that is even greater and beyond yourself. There's an anointing that will come on your life for others. And the only way he could get you there is to fall into a place of setback. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you for every setback, every failure, every problem, every situation. But thank you, Father, that you, O oh God, are a God who never leaves us or forsakes us. 
And today, Lord, you have come, Lord, not only to feed us, but you gave us food for the journey. You've given us food for our journey. Help us to learn and eat the food that will take us to the next level. I pray that we'll not, Lord, Father, just stay in the valley, but God, you have a mountain experience. A mountain experience, God, to experience your glory, to experience your power, to experience your miracle, to experience your healing. There's a word, God, that you have us for us in the mountain. The still small voices in the mountain of God. Help us to get away from the clanging, the banging, and all the things, Lord, that distract us from hearing the still small voice of the Lord. Oh, my soul will sing. Father, I pray that you put singing in their spirit. The enemy tried to get them to not sing anymore, to hang their hops on willow trees. But today the Lord says he sees your tears. He sees your sighing. He sees your disappointment. And God is saying to you, sing again, sing again, sing again, my daughter, sing again, my son, sing and worship me. I haven't left you. I have not left you. I haven't left you. I want to bring you closer. I want to bring you up the mountain. I want to bring you out and I want to bring you in. And God is speaking a fresh word from the mountain so that when you go back, it may not look different, but you're different. In the midst of it, in the midst of it, you'll find beauty for ashes. In the midst of it, there's an anointing that's on your life for the next appointment, for the next level, for that next student, for that next child, for that next person that's coming to you. For that next person, there's an anointing for you. And you're going to do great works for God. You're going to do great works for God. They say, I don't believe it. Where did you go? I went to the mountain. I journeyed with God. Where did you go? Did you go to Hawaii? No, I journeyed with God. Hallelujah. My soul now sings. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. We reach for the mountain today. Would you reach up? Would you reach up to climb? I'm climbing today, Lord. I'm climbing today. I'm climbing. I'm climbing. I'm climbing. climbing. Hallelujah. 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 We sing hallelujah. 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 Sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more time. Oh, hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. 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 Bless your name, God. Bless your name, God. Bless your name, God. You're worthy of the glory, worthy of the honor, you're worthy of the praise. 
Worthy of the praise. Worthy of the praise. Worthy of the praise. Go ahead and give him praise. Go ahead and give him praise. Go ahead and give him praise. You're worthy, oh God. We bless your name. We bless your name, God. We honor you, God. We bless your name. You're worthy of the glory. You're worthy of the honor. Worthy of the praise. Worthy, 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 God. We give you a praise, oh God. We give you glory, God. We give you worship, Lord. We bless your name, oh God. We bless your name, oh God. We bless your name, oh God. We are ready for the journey you've called us to, God. You have equipped us for the journey, oh God. Lord, we will rest, oh Lord. We will eat, Lord. We will do the things you're requiring of us on this journey, God. We say yes and amen to the journeys, oh God. To our journeys, oh God. Hallelujah, we bless your name. We honor you, God. We journey, God. We're on our journeys, God. On our journeys, individually and collectively. We're on our journeys, oh God. Hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. you to surrender control. Surrender to God and say, God, I'm going to stop trying to be in control. Will you do that? Will you do that? 
you're trying to work it out. Anybody know what I mean when you're trying to work it out? I try, there, there are things I'm trying to work out. I really am. And God is saying, even in this moment, as your pastor, God's saying, just stop controlling it. Stop controlling it. Stop trying to control it. Stop trying to manipulate it. Stop trying to fix it. That's your problem. We're trying to fix everything and, let, and not letting God do it. Lift your hands if, you, if you're saying, God, I'm going to stop this control thing. If you, need, if you need to come up to this altar right now, maybe this is prayer for you because you just need to say, Lord, I just got to stop controlling things. I'm trying to think about how you're going to do it. I'm trying to fix it so I can manage it. And God is saying, this is now out of your comfort zone. He said, I am in control of this. I'm in control of this. I'm in control of this. I'm in control of this. Stop trying to control your children. Stop trying to control your boss. Give it to God. Give it to God. Father, right now in Jesus' name, you know, Lord, how we just like to fix it, God. We're just trying to fix it. You're trying to fix it. But, Father, you made us aware of the dangers of trying to fix things, try to steady things with our hands and try to fix it with our thoughts and trying to manipulate it and trying to, if I could just work a deal here and if I can just manage to do a little bit better over here but God today we cease from our own works and we let the Holy Spirit be in control Father I pray that you will work on us in areas where we need to feel that we're in control forgive us for being control freaks even now, Lord, even lifting our hands, Lord, seems odd because we want to control. <laughs> we, we don't even want to say, I want to lift my hands when I want to lift my hands. But God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you break that cycle of manipulation over our lives and let you work in our house, let you work in our lives, let you work in our kids, let you work in our prayer. We're not even going to tell you how to answer the prayer. We're going to say, Lord, we're going to give you, Father, the right and the way to answer our prayers. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, uh, Lord, that you break that cycle, Lord, that cycle of manipulation. That, Lord, we don't want to go into witchcraft. We want to go, Father, in the place, Lord, of obedience to you, Lord. We pray. I pray. that your Holy Spirit take charge of every life, every season, every moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Hallelujah. 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 pray for those of us that have given up we got discouraged we got comfortable and we gave up and we said this is just the way it's going to be and so we've settled in a place of complacency we've settled in a comfortable place 
but it's really not comfortable because we don't like it and we don't want it to be this way. And we thought we had to settle and we thought this was it, but there's more. And you're telling us, come higher, make the journey, make the climb. There is more. This is not all there is. This is not the end. This is not it. I don't have to settle for this. I don't have to stay here. So God, forgive us for accepting the lie of the enemy that this was all you had for us. Forgive us. Forgive us for believing the lie. And now we accept the truth of your word that there's more, that there's more. We accept the journey you've called us to. Father, whether it's a journey of releasing control or whether it's the journey of stepping into what you have for us, whether it's the journey of continuing to function in frustration, knowing that you have more for us. So, Father, cause us to accept the press and to go forward, to speak those things that are not as though they were, to go by faith because you're calling the just to live by faith. So, Lord, we pray that we would press into your presence. Lord, we would press into your presence. And when we receive your presence, that we would then receive the power of the living God. And then when you speak to us, we will be obedient. When you say, go anoint, when you say, go and do, we will do. We will not stay complacent, but we will move in the areas that you've called us to move in. And we will believe you and we will trust you and we will do what thus saith the Lord. So, Father, thank you for changing us today. Forgive us where we've complained and talked about other people and blamed people around us and blamed our circumstances. God, we're not going to do that anymore. We accept responsibility for what is ours, and we will allow you to change us, God. Change us, God. Change my heart, oh God. Change us, oh God, that as we go back into these situations that might be exactly the same, you will give us the word to speak to those situations so that the power of God can be revealed in our homes, in our relationships, in our jobs, in our schools, in our communities, in the careers, in the future that we see that you've shown us over and over again. And it seems to be taking such a long time, God. But we're going to wait on you and we're going to press and we're going to do our journey. We're going to take the journey, oh God, and not give up. We're not going to give up, God. We're not going to give up, God. We're not going to give up. We're going to press on, Lord. We're going to press on. We are the people of God, and we're going to press on, and we're going to receive all that you have for us, Lord. Thank you for this word that we can have a comeback after a setback. Thank you for this word, God, that we can have a comeback after a setback. Thank you, God. We bless you. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. We give you praise, God. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise, oh God. 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 Give you praise, give you praise, give you praise. Give you praise, oh God. We give you praise, oh God. We give you praise, oh God. We bless your name. Oh, we bless your name, God. We bless your name. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, God. 
You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, God. You are worthy, God. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We you honor you, Lord. Hallelujah. If just right where you are, if you just raise your hands, we're going to be dismissed in the power of the Lord. Father, we thank you for this day and this time. Thank you for this word. Thank you for our time of worship. Thank you even for this time at the altar, Lord. And some of us are going to remain at the altar. We're just going to sit here and remain here, Lord, just to allow you to finish the work you've started in us. Lord, as we leave this place, we don't leave your presence. We're taking this word with us, Lord. And we're allowing you to do in us what you need to do. So, Father, we say finish the work you've started in us. In us, in our hearts and in our minds. In our hearts and in our minds, Lord. Finish the work you've started in our hearts. In our hearts, Lord. You are the master surgeon. And you can cut out things that are not of you. So as you're pruning right now, we receive the pruning of the Lord. That's what you're sensing. It's pruning. God is cutting some things away. It's all right. Let him cut it away. And even though we're dismissing the service, you need to remain at this altar or you need to sit in your seat wherever you are. Let God finish the work. Don't let anybody distract you and talk to you. You let God finish that work. So, Father, right now, you're on your journey. Yes, this is your climb. This is your journey. And you get the food God is putting in you now so that you can be sustained uh, that for the length of the journey he has called you to. So, Father, this time as we leave this place, we don't leave your presence. And we say, finish the work you've started. We thank you, Lord. Some of us, you're anointing to do a work for you. And we say yes and amen. So let be our rear God. Go with us. Go before us. Let this week show the fruit of a changed heart. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you, Daddy, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a blessed week. Those of you that still need to allow allow the Lord to work in you, just remain and the Lord will finish the work in you. Thank you, Father.